Hello and welcome. My name is Dan and you're listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. In this episode, my guest is the author Naomi Frisbee. Naomi is one of the contributors to the Book of Sheffield, this year's Big City Read. And this episode is really aimed at the thousands of people that have picked up a copy of the book this summer. Naomi's short story, titled The Time Is Now, blends music and emotion with magic and a strong sense of place. At its core, it's a love story. A love story about Sheffield and its music and making, its people and its places. Since the story is so rich in musical references, we thought it would be fun to include some short sections of the music in the recording. Due to licensing restrictions, they're short, and you'll only hear them if you're listening through the library's podcast webpage or using the Anchor podcast app. I hope you enjoy the episode. Naomi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. So, your story, it's, it's rich in music and emotion, and it really has a sense of time and place about it. And I really want to talk about all those things. But before we do, can you tell us a bit about how the story came about? Sure, yeah. Catherine, the editor, contacted me because I had a story um, that was shortlisted for the White Review Prize um, four years ago now that she really liked and she knew obviously that I lived in Sheffield. So she contacted me and asked whether I would like to write something uh, for the book. And she gave me the timeline for it, which was quite scary because normally if I'm writing a short story, it, it takes me about a year, which sounds like a really long time for something so short. But I tend to kind of gather the ideas and they percolate and it takes as long as it takes. So for me, this was going to be a bit of a challenge, which was interesting. There was a bit of a can I do it and a bit of sort of excitement and vision to kind of pull this off. But also I, I asked her if I could have 24 hours to go away and think about what I wanted to do and whether I could I could do it or not. So I took myself and my notebook off to the Blake, which is my local pub and sat in the beer garden and scribbled down loads and loads of ideas. And for me, it was about um, what I love about Sheffield, my relationship with Sheffield, which I think is like different for everybody, which shows in the book that there are 10 very different stories. And for me, like you'll be able to tell from my accent, I didn't grow up in Sheffield, I grew up in Barnsley. I don't know, some people might not, um, but I, um, yeah, so my relationship with Sheffield was really about coming here for gigs, I came here for music, um, and also to go shopping on Division Street with my friends, so I really wanted to kind of capture that, and the other thing um, about Sheffield for me is that my dad worked in the steel industry, so they were the two things which which I guess are very kind of working class route in as well and and I didn't think about that people have talked about it since I'm terrible for like I have been reading the reviews which I know some people say they don't do but I'm like dying to know what people have said so like quite a few people have commented on the fact that it's a working class story which is very me I do like write about class a lot but didn't really think about it in this I was trying to you know I was trying to get that what does Sheffield mean to me and ultimately I wanted to write a love story to the city so yeah and and for me it's the love of music really well let's listen to some music in fact the title track if you like for the story so you said that Catherine kind of approached you and gave you a deadline and you usually have about we usually take about a year to write a story how long did you have for this 
Yeah, because normally, I mean, this was the first time I'd been commissioned. So normally it's just me like tinkering away and I'll play with a few different stories at a time. So then when I'm ready to send them out, I'll send them out. Um, and with this, <laughs> Catherine came and she said, I'm really sorry, but they want to launch it for off the shelf, which obviously is in October. And I think she approached me in June or July last year. Wow. Um, and I was going on holiday actually where the deadline was and I said I'm not I'm absolutely not working on holiday which meant my deadline became even shorter so yeah I think I had six weeks um, oh yeah. <laughs> and it, re it what was good about it was I really it meant I really focused so I started off with so when I was sitting in the beer garden at the Blake I started off with what have I already got that possibly could be a Sheffield story and I had a story about a mixtape that was kind of about um it was more about a relationship with music and that again that love of music the songs were wrong so i started writing down sheffield songs and seeing whether they would fit and it felt a little bit too contrived like i was trying to shoehorn things in but then i'd got this list of all these songs and i was like what if what if it's a band and they're going to break up because actually it was a love triangle to start with which is kind of dissolved as the story went on uh, although i guess there's a love triangle between um Rachel Christie and the city going on there you could look at it that way but um yeah so I put all those down and then I had this I had this idea knocking about for a while about a woman who um was heartbroken and had taken her heart out and put it in a cage in her basement because uh, <laughs> I like this kind of idea I like trying to make things literal that aren't literal yeah. um so yeah so i had that and i was like well what if this person wanted to leave the city but actually leaving the city would cause them some sort of heartbreak how would they do it so that's where the idea of her having the steel heart came about wow, wow. <laughs> amazing and um i love that yeah like so many good ideas that came in the pub as well <laughs> all my best ideas come in the pub and the shower although I'm not sure that's an image anybody wants um but yeah sorry you asked about um yeah the, so the writing of it was quite intense and it meant I wrote lots of short scenes which you can tell I think from the final version um lots of it got chucked out I started off I know we're going to talk about it in a bit but the the tram journey actually was meant to run through the whole story so it was going okay. to be from beginning to end with the bits in between and I just couldn't get it to work so yeah the and it, the tram line the tram story ended up being at the beginning but also partly because I wanted it to end on a really positive note so it, you know the fact that she's leaving still is heartbreaking for her and I wanted it to end on that sort of love story note that this is Sheffield's amazing and here we are <laughs> yeah well let's talk about that now because I I think anyone that lives in Sheffield will recognize you know, a lot of the details that are in this story, like the tram journey, the, mm. the sweaty tram journey. Um, and we've all been on the tram, we've all put a coat on and zipped it up because it's cold outside and then you're on there and the windows are steaming, you're taking it off and you're bumping into people and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got these amazing panoramas and it, it's, you can tell it's a story written by someone who really knows the city. Yeah, I'd... I think I really wanted to. I was like, if I'm writing a, a story about a book, a, sorry, a, a short story that's going to be in a book about Sheffield, that's very much, you know, about the city. I wanted it to really show that it was set here. Because, um, you know, I could have done, when I started off thinking about it, I was looking at other stories and how do I, I kind of fit Sheffield in? And then I thought, no, I wanted to do it the other way around. I want to start with Sheffield itself. And so, so yeah, it became almost a character in itself. And that 
tram journey for me. I don't actually catch the tram very often. I tend to walk everywhere. Um, but yeah, so when I get on it, it's normally that I'm going to the station and I do almost the same route that Rachel does. So I'm in Upperthorpe, she's in Hillsborough. So I did actually walk to Hillsborough on a really nice sunny day. So it wasn't like the journey she takes, but I did the tram journey and made notes as I was going because I really wanted to capture what you see. And particularly, um, you know, going up the hill when you see the uh, tower blocks rising at the top and past the university, I wanted to sort of get all that in. And also this idea that it was like, it's not in the city centre, like that journey where you go from Hillsborough to train station circuits sort of the edge of the city. And I really wanted to capture that part of it that's actually probably more part of people's everyday lives than necessarily being in the city centre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as as for the details, I mean, yeah, normally if I'm getting the tram, it's because I'm going to the station to go somewhere. So that's me with like too many bags. <laughs> <laughs> in everybody's way. I hate trying to get on there and move anywhere because yeah, it's always crowded. Um, and as well, there's a little detail in there that actually I wrote for my dad. I don't know if you noticed when he read it, but um, the bit when she pulls her phone out as she goes past Ponds Forge is because my dad worked on the castings for the roof when it was initially ah. built. So that's why she thinks of her dad, but that was just like a little sort of detail for oh, me and him. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice to put, be able to put little things in that like are, are your bits of Sheffield, my bits of Sheffield, but I mean, you know, hopefully the bits of other people's Sheffield as well, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. And I, I suppose, although we share these places, how we experience them is different for everyone. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's talk about the music. Yeah. So they, well, the story title is, is a musical reference itself. Um, but the you know the whole story is packed full of them, um, all songs by Sheffield bands and plenty mm -hmm. of pulp classics in there as well. Um, we're going to scatter some of these these bits of music through the podcast. Can you tell us more about music in there. I mean, I guess music's my great love. Don't tell anybody that I love it more than writing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've been like I play as well, uh, which I keep quiet, but. Um, so yeah yeah it's my big thing and when i was when i was making those notes in the blurk i mean i got four pages full of songs by sheffield bands because i was thinking about this mixtape idea and then i was like actually how can i can i get them into the story without it disrupting which i think works because some people haven't noticed or haven't noticed all of them um and i thought some of them <laughs> some of them i could get away with more than others um so right at the very end there's an arctic monkeys reference and i was desperate to get i bet you look good in the dance floor in there but i was like that's possibly a bit too cheesy <laughs> to, to pull off but yeah um like i said i used to come to gigs here and there's kind of a bit of inspiration about Def Leppard. I love that story, that kind of legendary story that Joe Elliott wrote on Chalk on the City Hall that Def Leppard were going to play there in, I think it was 1980. Um, and obviously then that took them away from Sheffield, same with Pulp, same with Arctic Monkeys. So it was partly that idea that it's a gateway to the city and out of the city uh, for some people. Also, in terms of there's loads of pulp in there. Um, I don't think I realised quite how much until I'd written it. And I think that's partly to do with the fact that pulp are like such a Sheffield band, like their lyrics, even like Common People, which was written in London, um, about or about Jarvis's time in London, is feels so Sheffield. That's kind of working class 
what it's like to live in certain parts of the city, um, you know, in council housing, the people that you meet, the experiences you, that you have. I think it's all it's all there, which is why I kind of use them so much. And they were my like teenage band, if you like. So it's almost my musical progress in that um, my dad used to love Def Leppard, or probably still does. <laughs> but so uh, Def Leppard, I think, were the first band I was aware that were like kind of local to me. Um, so I loved them when I was kind of like 12, 13. And then Pulp were like my big, one of my big teenage bands. And then Arctic Monkeys obviously came a little bit later than that, but also a, a one of those bands that I think document, at least in the first two albums, really document what it's like to be Sheffield, in Sheffield and to, and to live a kind of, you know, that working class lifestyle. Um, yeah, I mean, songs about pubs as well. All good. Yeah. <laughs> they, they belong to Sheffield at a certain time as well, don't they? There's, they're kind of, as, they're part of that sort of social fabric of the city almost part of the city's story because they're so important now to the, the city's identity yeah I think so and it feels a little bit at the minute like that sort of Sheffield being part of the music scenes dissipated a little bit I mean it's still there but not on that sort of worldwide scale as it was at one point we were like such a massive city for music and I think part of that's to do with the collapse of some of the venues some of the sport like you know Art, uh, Arctic Monkeys obviously played at the boardwalk and it's one of the places that I was thinking about when I write this, writing the story and that's gone and you know so I think the, the makeup of music in the city is slightly different but yes they represent this kind of big time and Maloka of course who I nicked the title of one of their songs for the title of the story also around the same time as Pulp it's that sort of heyday, I guess, of indie, yeah, yeah. indie Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So how many are there? Because this is a fun game for anyone listening that can go back to the story. How many um, song titles or references are there hidden away in the book? I think there are 10. I say I think because I've got a list, but it's not in front of me. It's not I just dropped that on you. It wasn't fair <laughs> to do that to you. Yeah, I think including the title, there are 10. And just in case anyone accuses me of cheating, one's an album title rather than a song title. Okay. So there's a challenge to all of us. Find them all. Let's stay with popular culture. Mm. And let's talk about Doctor Who. Because uh, <laughs> the scene, there's a scene in the story where the characters are sitting around watching the first episode of the latest Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, of course yeah. set in Sheffield. Tell us a bit about that. So I've got kind of three reasons for including it. I mean, the first was just how exciting was it to watch that first episode <laughs> set in Sheffield, spotting bits of the city, first female Doctor. So like, I think Jodie Whittaker is absolutely brilliant in the role. And those like things that they're saying as they're watching it are the things that I was saying. So I was watching it with a friend. Um, yeah, and we're so excited about the fact that she spoke in a Yorkshire accent, because obviously she's from Huddersfield. Um, that uh, they should, you know, they incorporated the steel industry, um, that uh, there were pockets. In a, it's very much a, it's very much a, a like female thing that, that there were pockets in her outfit uh, to keep things in. But just watching her doing the welding was like quite, a, quite an amazing moment, I think, that idea, especially when we think, if you think about Sheffield, like women in steel, um, and that being represented on the screen. So I loved all that. It also meant that I could nick the steel bit. So actually the bit, so it's sort of a catalyst for Rachel that she realizes that she could actually 
have a steel heart the doctor sparks this idea in her and of course the doctor's got two hearts so that you know that fits yeah. in really nicely it was one of those um weird moments where i knew that i wanted to include them watching doctor who hadn't thought about the idea of the, of the doctor having two hearts until later so sometimes when I'm writing, things kind of percolate and it wasn't until I'd written it that I kind of went, oh, that's, that's really good. That works really well. Um, and the other thing for me was I lived, so this is the second time I've lived in Sheffield and I'm here now because my stepson um, lives here. He's a teenager um, and he's in Sheffield and he's a huge fan of Doctor Who. He has been since he was little. Um, so this was kind of my like love story to him as well. So that bit was for him. Um, particularly and when he when he read it he wasn't with me at the time when he read it and he was texting me going oh my god this sounds just like me <laughs> this is the conversation i'd have so yeah that was really sweet that's kind of our like that's our Sheffield connection as well amazing Love it. the great thing about fiction is that that will be that experience will mean something to to the reader as well and they'll make yeah, it yeah. their own and they'll kind of identify it in their own way it's the magic i suppose <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and I, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned magic as well, because I suppose that's one of the things I like to think about is the magical element. So for Doctor Who as well, I mean, you suspend your disbelief and sure. go with it, which is kind of what I wanted from the reader as well. Bit cheeky to kind of impose things on readers. But <laughs> the fact that, you know, this that obviously she doesn't actually take her heart out of her body. It's impossible. She'd be dead. But I wanted them to go with that idea. And it meant, you know, if you're into Doctor Who and you believe that, then you can also believe that Rachel might swap her real heart for a steel one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of read it without questioning that that could happen, of course. it's uh, That's perfect. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> so we've spoken about it being a, a love story, uh, both a story of, of Rachel and, and Christy, but also Rachel's relationship with Sheffield. Yeah. And it's, it's clearly quite a complex relationship. So I wonder if we might just talk more about that. Sure. I mean, I was thinking about what it would take to leave a city and the people that you love and she's she's at an age i think well i so it's not about me i'm not rachel but i left sheffield at 29 to move to london which i think is quite late for people like people tend to go to london straight after university and i i went later on um and i think she's thinking about what else might be out in the world and also all her heartbreaks in sheffield so when she touches the heart that final memory of her mum it's, it's kind of that idea that like, you have to go through grief, you can't get rid of it. And she sort of wants to, she doesn't want to have to take it with her. And also she tries to talk to Christy about it, but Christy's kind of like, why would I leave? I've got everything I need here. So she doesn't understand why she might want to go somewhere else. And I think that's a little bit of that. I think this is quite specific to working class people. I'm sure like other people will, will get in touch and tell me otherwise if I'm wrong. But that idea sometimes that if you want to go away and, and do something, try something somewhere else, that some people take that as almost a threat, that they're scared that either you're not going to come back or you're going to be different or they're not good enough for you or you know that something awful is going to happen or or actually they're scared that they don't want to what would happen if they tried to do that can they do it um and i think i wanted to try and sort of capture that fear and how how could you get rid of it so so this idea of the steel heart was like well it can't feel anything it's cold so you know she could leave it behind and actually 
I wanted her to leave her heart. So she leaves her real heart behind here. So that idea that actually you can't get rid of the place that you mean, I think we've all, I say we've all, most people, definitely me, have tried at some point to escape who we are. And that's where that kind of, every new year, that's where the new year, new you um, yeah. line comes from. Because every new year that's marketed to us that, you know, we should, we could, you know, if only we'd lost weight or we took up this thing or, you know, we remember to moisturize every night or whatever it is. Um, and that idea that actually you can move away as much as you want, but you can't escape essentially who you are. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, just, I, found, I found that image of the heart with its its scars really powerful, actually. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the, you know the, the memories that were kind of they were stuck there, and she couldn't. Yeah, there's no escaping that, or maybe there was. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of feel very much that that there isn't, and that's why I've got that idea in that she says she's seen her mum walking around town, and you know that you get it, even with people who aren't dead, you know, sometimes you think you've seen someone who you know, and it's not them, and it's because you're thinking about them, or your brain's working, you know, there's something about that person that makes you think that, and when she starts seeing herself, it's that idea that um, you still sort of exist, I suppose it's a bit quantum physics, uh, of that idea of sort of parallel universes but also um the amazing deborah levy talks about how um we don't experience time chronologically we kind of move through it chronologically but actually like we're triggered memories are triggered all day for us about different things so when i'm walking through sheffield you know if i'm on division street sometimes i'm thinking about when i was walking down there with my friends when i was 16 and what we were doing and you know if i go to um, the light, I go past what used to be, the, I think it was called the Fez Club. And so then I'm thinking about when I went to see, I think it was Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and I was standing at the back with a drink and that's when I'd moved back to Sheffield and I didn't know anyone and I just went on my own. So there's all those sort of, I feel like there's all those versions of me like almost haunting the city. <laughs> and, and she kind of, like for me, I kind of like that. I think it's quite interesting and thinking about who I was and what elements so like you know we talked about my love of music and you can see from the things I'm talking about I, I, what I've done in Sheffield that that it very much feels to me that's something I've retained and then there are other bits that have like dropped off if you like places that I used to work or places where I used to go and drink where I don't go anymore that sort of thing so then it's a different experience um, and I really wanted to capture that but and Rachel starts feeling trapped by that that she thinks if she doesn't see anything else now she's never going to see it it's just going to be this sort of traditional lifestyle and she wants to see if there's a different way of doing things rather than staying here bringing up kids resenting that she didn't try yeah. something else i wonder if she'll come back and i don't expect you to answer that <laughs> I, I mean her heart's here so you know and a dad's here you know i think i tried to write a relationship there i know it's quite a dad's there quite briefly but i originally there was a scene where he made that we saw him in his workshop actually making the heart yeah. for her and i wanted that relationship that he's there for her and she knows that so yeah i, I mean i don't know whether she'd come back here permanently but yeah there's that sense that i mean i still go back to barnsley occasionally i can't imagine ever living there but you know that connection still exists. So yeah. yeah, and even the heart she's taking away—it's a—it's a steel heart. It's got a made in Sheffield stamp on it. Yeah, yeah. She's taking Sheffield with her. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So Naomi, 
you have produced a playlist for our, our listeners to to visit and you know enjoy all these musical references so where should people go to discover that have yeah it's on spotify and youtube music so whichever one of those you prefer and it's called um i think i've called it the time is now from the book of sheffield and it's uh yeah my username is just naomi frisbee on both of those platforms so fairly easy to find i think Excellent. fantastic well look it's been it's been great talking to you i really enjoyed this story and I, i've spoken to a lot of people that have read the book and and yeah, enjoyed lots of the stories in it, but this is one of the standout stories that people talk about. So that's lovely to hear. Thank yeah, you. It's, it's great. <laughs> and thanks for sharing. One last thing: where can people find out a bit more about your work? Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because I suppose I guess I'm up and coming. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned the story earlier that was shortlisted for the White Review Prize. So if you go on their website, it's called Roleplay. That's on there. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook as Naomi Frisbee. So you can find me there. Um, I also run a website. So I blog about mostly about other people's work, but occasionally, you know, things that I'm doing too. So that's the rights of woman .wordpress .com. Great stuff. Naomi, huge thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Well, thanks for joining us. My guest in this episode was Naomi Frisbee. To learn more about the book of Sheffield and the Big City Read, visit the Sheffield Library's blog. And to listen to the playlist produced by Naomi to accompany her story, visit her Spotify or YouTube music page. You've been listening to the Sheffield Library's podcast, the new place to hear authors discuss their work and to explore stories, both fact and fiction, that we think deserve to be shared. I hope you'll join us again.